And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. <clears throat> My name is Warren Landis, and I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And it is a delightful joy for me to welcome you to our radio audience at this time. Um, I've been teaching the Bible here on the Internet for a long time. Uh, I've been doing this now for about 12 or 13 years. I enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> And uh, I don't have any regrets about that at all. And I'd like to think that over the last 12 years or so, we've been able to reach a lot of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to teach them the word of God. I can't think of anything more fulfilling that I could do as a Christian or that I could do as a minister of the gospel. And I'm especially glad that nowadays that I'm in declining health and limited mobility, that I can still reach the world for Christ from the comfort of my own apartment. I don't have to do a lot of traveling these days in order to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and teach the Bible, which is what I try to do every day here at Sunshine USA. Uh, now, today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in the last broadcast, we talked about the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant, and we talked about that in chapter 3. And Paul talked about how the New Covenant is so much better than the Old Covenant. Now, if you don't believe that, just think about this. What if you still had to do animal sacrifices today? What if you had all kinds of offerings that you had to to give to the Lord today like they did in the Old Testament. You know, it's estimated that in the Old Testament, if you gave all of the offerings mentioned in the Old Testament, that would not only include the tithe, but offerings over and above the tithe. Uh, the Israelites were expected to probably give somewhere between a third to one half of their income to the Lord, one way or the other. So there is that sense in which you and I could be very grateful for the fact that we're not living today under the old covenant. We have a new and better covenant, and that's what Paul is talking about in Second Corinthians chapter 3. And, of course, under the Old Covenant, the Israelites had no direct contact with God. God would speak to Moses, and Moses would talk to the people. But the people could not talk directly to God for themselves. You and I can go to Jesus Christ in prayer anytime we want, any hour of the day, any hour of the night. We have that privilege because of the fact that God loves us and he gives us complete, full access to him directly. We don't have to go through an earthly priest. That's another thing that makes this new covenant better. The new covenant is also better because Christ saves us one time for a lifetime. You see, in the Old Testament, they had an annual day of atonement. You would go to this annual day of atonement with the appropriate animal sacrifice and your sins would be atoned for one year. 
but it was atonement. It was not a complete full forgiveness. But in this new covenant, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us a permanent salvation on the cross. When I got saved back in November 1969, Lord Jesus Christ saved me one time for a lifetime. And boy, I thank God for that. I thank God that I don't have to worry about losing my salvation. I don't have to worry about going to bed at night and dying and ending up in hell because the previous day I committed a sin that I didn't even remember and therefore I went to hell because it wasn't forgiven. We can thank God for eternal security. We can thank God for the fact that when the Lord saves us one time, it is for a lifetime. Now we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And here we read, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, referring to the new covenant, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. Now, notice he says here, we never give up. <laughs> we never give up. You know, as Christians, we never give up on our desire to reach another person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I preach on the radio today and a hundred people get saved, boy, that's great. I praise the Lord. But that doesn't make me any less determined tomorrow to get on the radio and do the same thing again if I can. I never give up. And I'll admit, some days it's harder than other days to get in front of this radio microphone and preach unto you the Word of God. I mean, I come to this radio microphone some days and I'm not feeling very good at all. It would be very easy for me to just lean back in the bed and get another hour of sleep. But because I love God and because I love you, I do everything I can every day to reach as many people as I can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, we don't do any shameful deeds. We're not involved in underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. In other words, uh, Paul says, me and those that work with me, we don't engage in trickery. And we don't use underhanded methods to try to draw a crowd so we can preach to more people. I heard one time about a church. They were having vacation Bible school one summer, and they wanted to have one of the largest vacation Bible schools in town. So they advertised that they were going to give a new bicycle to anybody who came to vacation Bible school and stayed for the whole week. Now, in order to get this bicycle, you had to come all five days of their vacation Bible school. But if you came to vacation Bible school for five days, 
you were entitled to a new fine. You see, that was using, I think, an underhanded method to get people to come. Down through the years, you know, some evangelists, you know, have told young people, you know, come to the church, to the revival tonight, and we'll give you a free pizza supper before the service. Well, actually, we want everybody to come to the revival, young and old alike. And we shouldn't have to buy you a pizza in order to get you to come. You know, Paul says, we're not doing this. You know, I heard one time about a Christian radio station that said, you make a pledge to an Arsherathon, and that will automatically register you to win a free vacation to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. I have a problem with that. You know, what we do for God shouldn't be motivated by some gimmick or by some underhanded scheme. We should do it because we want to. Amen. Paul goes on to say in verse 3, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from the people who were perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't want to understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now, notice he says here that the eyes of the unbeliever are blinded by Satan. Let me say that again. The eyes of the unbeliever are blinded by Satan. Now, I, for example, could take this Bible right here, and I could read a chapter in this Bible, and man, it just blesses me to pieces. Because I'm a child of God, and I want all the Bible I can get. But now, you take an unsaved man or an unsaved woman, you could read to them that same chapter and it doesn't phase them one little bit. You see, their eyes have been blinded by Satan. They can't understand spiritual stuff. That's why when I'm with Christian people, I talk about things that I wouldn't talk about if they were pagan. Because I would know that they could not possibly understand it. Paul goes on to say in verse 5, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. <laughs> Boy, I could preach a whole sermon probably on that one verse. I mean, you get on the radio and television and internet, you listen to some preachers, and all they could do is brag about all the things they've done for God. They'll say, I've done this for God. I've done that for God. During my ministry, a thousand people have been saved. During my ministry, I have literally preached to over a million people. They just love to brag about themselves. Somebody asked me the other day, Warren, how many people have you led to the Lord? 
since you got saved, you know what I tell them? I say, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. If you were to ask me, how many people do I preach to on the radio? I, I really have no idea. I mean, I have some stats that give me a pretty good idea of the number of people we're reaching, but I don't know the exact number. I couldn't tell you if my life depended on it. But you see, it's not about me, it's about the gospel. It's not about me, it's about God. That's the whole thing in the nutshell right there. He says, we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let there be light in the darkness. And has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, we are light in the darkness. That's what we are as Christians. We bring to the world a message of hope. And I am so grateful for that. I can bring to the whole wide world a message of hope. Not a message of doom and gloom, but a message of hope. I enjoy telling people, look, I don't care what you've done. Because I don't know you from Adam. Those of you, most of you listening by way of radio, I don't know you from Adam. You've never met me in person. I've never met you in person. So I have no way of knowing what kind of life you've lived. You might have done some shameful things. But at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter. You can still come to God because, you see, God loves you. God loves you in spite of what you've done. You can't commit a, a sin so bad and so terrible that God can't forgive you. That's why we have a message of hope. We have a message of encouragement. Not a message of doom and gloom. Verse 7, and this is where we really get into the heart of our message for today. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. He says we are like clay jars you know, in other words, God uses the ordinary to preach the extraordinary word of God. I am so grateful for the fact that I don't have to have a perfect life to tell somebody about Jesus. Now, let me make it very clear. I try to live as close to God as I can. I go out of my way not to do anything that the Bible calls sinfulness. But yet, at the same time, I don't have to wait until I become perfect to tell somebody about Jesus. If I did, I never would tell anybody about Jesus. God has entrusted to the, us, no matter how imperfect we are, God has entrusted to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
He uses ordinary people like you and me to preach his word. Somebody was asking me the other day, they, they said that they felt like God was calling them into the ministry, and this is a person about 30 or 40 years old. They've been in the secular working world for a while, and they said, do I have to take time to go to the seminary in order to be used of God in the ministry? I said, absolutely not. I said, obviously, I feel like there is a certain sense in which you could be better used of God in some ways if you went to seminary, and I'm certainly not opposed to someone going to the seminary, but it's not an absolute requirement. I have heard in my lifetime some really great preachers preach who never went to seminary a day in their life. They never went to seminary a day in their life. And yet they are some of the best preachers I've ever heard. On the other hand, I have heard some people preach who have all kinds of seminary degrees and doctorate degrees and so on and so forth, and they can't preach their way out of a paper bag. The bottom line is, it's not how much education you have. It's your willingness to take what you do have and share with others the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would rather have just a tiny little bit of education and use that for the glory of God then they have a whole lot more education and not be able to get out the word of God. I, I was talking to someone the other day on the phone. And this is a young man who, who claims at one time God called him to preach. He's not doing much preaching anymore, though. And I said, fellow, when was the last time you preached a sermon? When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? He, he had no idea. I'm glad I could go to bed at night saying it's never been that long since I told somebody about Jesus. I try to do it every day here on Sunshine USA. Tell somebody about Jesus. Now I can tell you too that I don't limit my witnessing to Sunshine USA. I witness for the Lord in all kinds of places. Not too long ago I started witnessing for the Lord on TikTok. Now, I have to admit, I had reservations about that. You know, you hear all this stuff about uh, China controlling TikTok and all that. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I have no idea. But I know there's a lot of people on TikTok. And I know that there's a lot of people on TikTok who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I could get on TikTok and make a short two or three minute video and tell somebody about Jesus, by golly, I'm going to do it. Uh, you take Facebook, for example. I was witnessing for the Lord on Facebook long before Sunshine USA came around. I didn't wait until I started Sunshine USA to witness for the Lord on the Internet. I was witnessing for the Lord on the Internet long before Sunshine USA got started. Amen. Praise the Lord. Paul goes on to say in verse 8, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. 
We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Yet we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Now here Paul is talking to the folks at Corinth about all the suffering he's done for the Lord. And there's probably not any pastor or evangelist or missionary living in the world today that, that has suffered more than Paul did. And it's kind of ironic when you think about it. Because during Paul's earthly ministry, I mean, uh, I should say during his pharisaical days, in the days before Paul entered the ministry, he persecuted a lot of Christians. He had Christians thrown into prison. He had Christians put to death. And yet Paul turned his life around when he was converted to Christ on the road to Damascus. And following the road to Damascus, he went on to suffer probably like no one else who has ever preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said, God had to let me know how much I had to suffer for him. And, you know, those of us that truly do the work of God, and we do it uncompromisingly, we can expect persecution in one form or another. And increasingly, by the way, I don't see persecution going on just in other countries. I see a lot of persecution going on in this country. We had states in this country during the pandemic that had mayors and governors that were shutting down churches and threatened to put pastors in jail if they dare held a public service. We have persecution in this country. I thank God we live in a state here in South Carolina where we had a governor that did not shut down the churches. Now, you know, he, he would tell the churches, look now, you know, be prudent, you know, be careful, take precautions, but I'm not going to stand in the way of you holding services if that's what you feel out of the Lord to do. But increasingly, we find people even here in the United States of America, being persecuted because of their faith in God. And I think as time goes on, we're going to see more and more of this. As time goes on, it's not going to get easier and easier to be a Christian. It's going to be harder and harder to be a Christian. I mean, I can tell you some companies right now that have owners that have already made up their minds, we're not going to hire Christians. We're not going to promote Christians. More and more, even in this country, you face the real possibility of suffering if you dare follow Jesus. And I hope that we have enough conviction as Christians to stand up to that. Amen.
He goes on to say, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist said when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God has raised the Lord Jesus and will raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Paul goes on to say that is why we never give up. He says we never give up. We we keep at the task. You know, it's sad to say many ministers leave the ministry every year. And, And there's all kinds of reasons for this. But in a typical year, quite a few preachers leave the ministry. And it's not because they're retiring. It's not because they're too old to preach. They're simply tired of preaching and they go on to some other profession. Of course, I would dare say a lot of those preachers were probably never called of God to preach in the first place. Amen. But it's sad. So many preachers today are quitting the ministry. They're actually quitting the ministry. This is not good, folks. Not good. We don't need to be quitting the ministry. We need to keep at it. And that's why I'm going to witness for the Lord any way I can till the day I die. If I end up living the rest of my days in a hospital somewhere, every day I'm going to tell those doctors and nurses about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at our, at our troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. Paul says we keep on keeping on. We continue on in the work that we're doing. And we do it till the day we die. And you know, when we get to heaven, all the trials and tribulations that we had to go through, it'll seem so small. And we'll be amazed how it didn't last very long at all. And then we have all eternity, all eternity, to praise God, to be reunited, you know, with our friends and loved ones that have gone on before. We get to meet in person people like Paul and Peter and James and John and Luke and Moses and Joshua and Ezekiel and all the other great people we read about in the Bible. Man, just to meet everybody will probably take a few million years. Amen. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. I look forward to that. One of these days I move into my heavenly mansion. One of these days I'll have a new body. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, that new body pretty, pretty much excites me. In fact, Paul in chapter 5 has a lot more to say about the new body, so I'm not going to say too much about it here. But one of these days, we're going to have a brand spanking new body. This body I have now, you know, it gets old and decrepit. But one of these days, I have a new body, a body that cannot get sick, a body that cannot get cancer, a, a body that will feel like a million dollars every day of my life. I could hardly wait. And that, by the way, brings us to the end of chapter 4. And like I say, for the next broadcast, you need to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And like I say, Paul will start off in chapter 5 talking about these new bodies that we have. And it's going to be exciting stuff. He's also going to be talking about how we are ambassadors for God. That's going to be exciting as well. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible study question, uh, the best way to ask me is by email. I have two email addresses. One is warnlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warnlandis at gmail.com. And I have a snail mail address if you would like to contact me that way. My snail mail address is warnlandis. 80 Thruston Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And if you want to contact me by telephone, I'm one of the few preachers these days that gives out one of my personal phone numbers that you can call. This is actually a phone line that I've dedicated especially to Sunshine USA, it's 864-608-2102. That's 864-608-2102. Like I say, I would just be tickled to death to get a call from you. You could call any day, day or night, seven days a week. All I ask is that if you call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I hope it will be important and not something that could wait till, say, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Amen. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.